We are back for the See For Yourself podcast. I am your host for today, Thistle Whistle, and I am joined by... That guy in the bluegrass band that plays the moonshine joke. Oh, yes. I'm very familiar with that that individual. <laughs> uh, I, I like your work. <laughs> it's it's hard, man. Like People think it's a one-note instrument, but uh, it is. I was one of those people, and now I am not. <laughs> You've convinced me. <laughs> You've convinced me that it both is and is not. I'm very proud of you. Uh, today, we have a very special uh, episode. We are going to be covering the film Prey. It is a 2022 film, and uh, the, the blurb for it sort of goes a little something like this. A skilled Comanche warrior protects her tribe from a highly evolved alien predator that hunts humans for sport, and that's about it. Well, this already this already ruins my prediction because um, I'd mentioned before we started recording that I had a trailer roll across my Reddit feed and I saw that there was a, a going to be a, a woman as like the main protagonist here. I was sold that they had finally latched on to that um, that Asian woman in the comic books that that becomes a predator in her own right. And I don't know why nobody thinks that's a valuable story yet. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. In, in the Predator franchise, it is very weird that we haven't decided to follow somebody that just has happened to buddy up with the Predators. How, how familiar are you with the Predator franchise in general? Not not horribly familiar. Um, I did have a friend that was really into the aliens portion of it. Like, that was kind of cool. He was really into the comics that did the aliens. So I just sort of did a dive at some point and looked into some of the some of the lore for, like, I didn't even know there was a comic book. So I started looking up some of the comic book stories and just that that's the one that I think is the most interesting. Otherwise, it's just, you know, I don't I don't want to say that this this movie is just a rehashing of the same premise, but it's like big bad alien man probably gonna kill us unless we kill him first. Whatever her name is, Michiko or something like that. That that whole idea that you as the prey item for this uh, advanced species can do something good enough to like garner their respect. That's that's a cool fucking thing to talk about. Have you have you seen any of the other Predator movies? I saw the Alien versus Predator where they're in like Antarctica or wherever. Okay. But yeah, not not any of the straight Predator movies. Like I know there was that one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I just I haven't seen it. Yeah, so they have Arnold Schwarzenegger and Weathers and a bunch of other really big actors in that first Predator movie, and it's just this really cool. Like I guess it's 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 just very masculine, very uh, machismo kind of you know just guys broing out for the first like fifteen minutes, just you know dudes slapping hands and saying fucked up shit to each other, and then after that first like fifteen twenty. 20 minutes of that stuff. It's just them being brutally murdered by a predator for another hour. And so the first movie is like, it's really easy to get like invested in feelings in that movie because you're like, dang, I just saw these guys like having, like being, being buddies, you know, being pals, not in a super wholesome way, but in that kind of like, you know, you, you the kinda, locker room way. Yeah. You feel like you're kind of like peering behind the veil a little bit. And this is more of a realistic interpretation of how guys would behave if they weren't being filmed in any way, you know, like, or at least a movie's interpretation of that, I suppose. 
Um, right, the, so the man's the man's fantasy, but specifically the bros being bros together part of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to, you know, your mileage may vary, and it's probably not going to translate very well, you know, 30 years later or anything. But there's a part of this that feels like it gets you it gets you invested. And to see a bunch of those characters die off pretty unceremoniously for some of them, it's like, dang, I, I have a lot of feelings about this. So it's, it's no wonder that the Predator franchise would jump off after that, you know, become a lot bigger than just that first movie. And of course, there's a lot more to say about, you know, the Predator franchise in that first movie. You know, the design for the alien was really fucking cool. Having like an invisible, highly technologically advanced creature hunting you down, you know, was really, really cool. And I've always maintained that especially after Predator 2, because Predator 2, the big reveal at the end is sort of that the Predator alien has been on Earth for a long time. And this isn't like a recent thing because both Predator 1 and Predator 2 are sort of set in more modern times. You know, like Predator 1 is sort of Vietnam era. Predator 2 is sort of set, I think, in 1997. And at the end of the second film, they reveal that like, we've been here since like the 1700s and probably longer than that. I know in the first AVP movie, they make it very clear it's been Yeah, like since, since Aztec times or something like that. It's weird that they're clearly willing, after after Predator 2, they were clearly willing for the next Predator movie, which would be Alien versus Predator, to have them sort of like investigate that aspect of the Predator lore where it's like, well, they've been here before. It's interesting to me that they want to do that, but they didn't want to like commit to it wholeheartedly. The movie is still set in like quasi-present slash near future. And they're exploring that like, hey, they've been here since Aztec times. But for me, that feels like a half measure. Why not just have a movie where a bunch of like Aztec warriors are being hunted by a predator and exploring why that is interesting for a predator specifically? Because in my mind, I'm like, well, the hunts must have been pretty boring going backwards in time, right? Or maybe they were really interesting for some reason. I don't know. There's got to be something there, right? Yeah, like I think they wrote it off in the the first a avp as being like uh oh all those aztec sacrifices that like you kind of know about or have kind of heard about yeah that was all just to make aliens for the for the predators to hunt and that made sense at least like in its own little vacuum because yeah i like if if uh if the predator is having a pretty pretty easy time mowing down modern day humans i can't imagine there was anything prehistorically that made us worthy of hunting so there's a quote i like to bring up when people talk about like warriors of the past and how they just pale in comparison to modern warriors and it's that finesse in combat died when they invented the automatic weapon. So there's something sure. something about that to me indicates that like there was a time where people genuinely dedicated themselves to like the art of combat in some way, right? And I imagine that might be interesting for a predator to find like a species that is like, you know, actively very cunning and interesting, sort of see where they, uh, what they can come up with in terms of uh, a battle scenario. I like to imagine there's there's something for that. No, that makes sense. I guess we haven't seen them fight the these more or less ancient civilizations yet. Like all I've seen is, uh, you know, when they're, when they're hunting humans in like the alien versus predator or in like the first predator like you said, they have these high-tech, like, camouflage things and, and the little shoulder auto rifle things. And so it just, it feels heavily stacked. If they wanted to go fight for the finesse of combat, God, have I ever told you my, my qualms with deer hunting? I find that, that there's a parallel here between predators hunting humans and, like, human hunting deer. Because we're, we're so technologically advanced, right? My qualms is when, when someone is like, yeah, I, I took down a, a whatever, a 12-point bow 
book or whatever. It's like, yeah, man, you were in a tree, it didn't see it coming, and you pushed the kill button and it died. Like, that's not horribly, you know, impressive to me. I'd be a lot more impressed if you had to take, like, an aluminum Louisville slugger and you took down that same buck. I'd be horribly impressed by that. Okay. And so-, <laughs> so I think that uh, the first prediction question is, do you think that there will be a moment like that in the movie? In this new Prey movie where there's a situation where the Predator kind of takes advantage of the fact that their technology is so much more advanced and abuses that in a way that feels, you know, less than honorable. It definitely feels like that because I feel like that's the, the recipe here is that they come down being super advanced and they're like, yep, I took down a, a whatever, like whatever the 12 point buck correlation is with a human in in what i've seen of these movies there inevitably ends a point where it's like through human cunning we've managed to work our way around their their heat tracking technology is uh overcome by coating yourself in mud or and i feel like in the alien versus predator movie there was at least one point where there was a hand-to-hand fight with a predator or something like that because his all his technology had been broken or he hadn't gotten it or whatever i feel like there's going to be a that same transition here we're in the beginning they're just mowing down humans and then at some point there's going to be like a one-on-one spear to alien spear fight i am predicting that there will be a situation where the predator will take advantage of his advanced technology specifically in a way that feels less than appropriate it doesn't happen a whole lot in other predator movies typically you know if a guy pulls out a sword the predator will pull out his spear if a guy drops his gun the predator won't use his plasma caster thing and and if somebody is like completely defenseless, the predator will either go mano a mano with him, you know, fisticuff style, or he will uh, just completely ignore the person. Because in other movies that hasn't been really done a whole lot, or if it has, you'd have to be scrutinizing pretty hard. I think that that's going to be something that they try to explore in this one. Maybe we get some dialogue early on, or maybe later on in the movie, where it's sort of stated to the predator, like, hey, you have to hunt honorably, you have to, like, be respectful to these creatures that we're hunting, the humans, you know, you can't just go in there and, you know, start blasting, pow, 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 give them a good combat interaction. And maybe the predator's like, fuck that, I'm a, I'm a young rogue predator, fuck all that, I'm just going to go in blasting. And over the course of the film, maybe Maybe that's the predator's arc. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that's gonna be in there somehow. A little little something of that. I know technology generally advances like exponentially, so if they're as advanced as they are, I can't imagine they're very much less advanced during the time that the movie is set in. But I'm wondering if they ha- if they just straight up have less technology. You know, like maybe they don't have their camouflage. Maybe they're still using ghillie suits and, and the like, and they don't have auto tracking weapons and like that. That'd be pretty nice to see. Like. A more primitive predator as well as a more primitive prey. Yeah, that is that is interesting. It's it's about 200 years earlier, because I know the, the movie's set in the 1700s somewhere. It's about 200 years earlier than any other predator movie we've gotten. It, it would be interesting to see if maybe the shoulder cannon hasn't even been invented yet, or if that weird handheld buzzsaw thing that they have hasn't, hasn't come around, or maybe it's sort of just like a dinkier version of that. That would be a cool thing for the movie to explore. I think they're going to not do that and I'll tell you why I think that they want that brand recognition really badly and they want to have people be able to recognize the predator and all of his little cool gadgets and gizmos because that's sort of the sexy part of the predator is that he's got all these cool gadgets and gizmos and they want to have all the iconic ones and yeah no I, I know what you're talking about like typically when I think predator I think the dread thing but also like a quick follow-up to that is definitely the shoulder cannons and the camouflage cloak the I, and like I said iconic. you know I can't imagine if they have the space 
space capabilities to get to Earth, they haven't also, like, within a quick span of time, made all these fancy weapons as the hunter race that they are. I can see the argument for this going both ways, where either it's like, well, you know, you develop space travel sort of, like, all at once, and a lot of these technological advances would come out, like, all at the same time, so as soon as you got the ability to space travel, you'd basically have a whole bunch of advancement all at once. Or the other end of it, where it's like, no, it takes time, and you're gonna see, like... 200 years is enough time to say, like, we wouldn't be... Or or their weapons are invented in a reactionary sense. Like, as humans develop, they're like, wow, they've actually gotten a lot better at, like, defending themselves. We need to make the camo cloaks and the the shoulder weapons. Or maybe this is a part in the Predator history where they haven't run into, like, the Xenomorph threat yet, so they didn't have to have advanced weapons. That would contradict Alien vs. Predator's lore, because in Alien vs. Predator, as far back as Aztec times... Oh, yeah, that's true. We already know that the Predator not only was coming to Earth, but also was specifically hunting aliens on Earth. At least it would contradict that. But I do I do agree. There's there's a very serious sense that this could be a reactionary sort of development of technology. And I know that part of the Predator lore is that they have to like go out and earn their various different tools and gadgets and gizmos and whatnot by going on various hunts and proving themselves a capable hunter. That'd be kind of cool if uh, this was like a baby Predator that's like, yeah, yeah, go, go out and hunt Neolithic humans. <laughs> I think it would be really cool to have a Predator that's sort of like less well equipped. I think I think something I thought about is there could be like a fake out in this movie where like, you know, maybe the first predator that they fight is like a less proven hunter. Yeah, a less proven hunter, more of like a sort of fledgling predator and maybe they defeat it, you know, maybe halfway through the film and they're like, oh, okay, well, we've overcome this difficulty. Sure enough, big daddy predator comes down and he's pissed off and he's got the fucking plasma cannon and the fucking, you know, everything and he's just throwing it at him because he's mad. That'd be kind of cool. I'll predict I, I that. I feel like that's a little bit against the, the Predator ethos that, that they work under. At least in that Alien vs. Predator movie, like, there was there was a point where they're like, oh, you, you took down an alien, or you took down a Predator, and so they draw the little thing on the fucking black lady's head. So there's probably some honor there, so, like, if, if they manage to take down a Predator, well, I guess that could also go both ways, right? What an honorable warrior will let you live, or this is the apex human, we need to kill that one. I think it could go both ways in that if the humans were dishonorable in the way that they uh, fought the predator, you know, maybe the predator shows up and he's, you know, giving all the signs that a predator would give in their culture or whatever to indicate I'm not trying to hunt, I'm not here to fight, this is a mistake that I'm here, please do not kill me. And the humans reacting defensively. As as humans do. Yeah, you know, we just sort of attack the predator. And that would be a good commentary on the way that, like, Native Americans were sort of treated, oh, it looks different than us, kill it, to have them sort of treat the predator that way and then have, like, fiery wrath descended upon them by, like, big bad daddy predator. Might be interesting. I think it would be probably pretty culturally insensitive and risky. <laughs> oh, yeah, as, as soon as you even phrased it the way that you did, where it's like, oh, yeah, sort of like how the how the Native Americans were uh, put upon in the way that they were. Well, they did the same thing, so fair's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's the it's the savages savages moment from Pocahontas, you know. Like, exactly. Don't, don't worry, the Native Americans were just as bad as the colonizers. We swear. 
I mean, but you know, it is it is Hollywood. They're pretty bad about this type of stuff, so I don't think it's the worst, the most unlikely prediction to make. Do you think that there will be any references to like uh, other Predator movies, or because this one's set in the past, do you think that it is just unlikely for them to reference future films that haven't even? So that, it, it's hard to say because, like you said about the like the brand recognition, yeah. I don't think it's too out there for them to have little Easter eggs to be like, ah, I remember that from the earlier movie even this is the period earlier movie. So I, I don't think it's too out there to say that there's going to be some sort of reference. I haven't seen enough of them to like know what that kind of reference would be. Like outside of them having some super honorable human and they draw on the on the human's head and it's like, oh, that's like the versus Predator movie and I, I don't know. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're going for a, a series that is the brand recognition series, I think it's more likely that they're going to ignore the fact that this is set in an earlier time and just have callbacks as far as i know and maybe one of the newer predator movies might have done this differently but as far as i know they haven't really done the thing where they say what the predator's racist name is in a predator movie do you think they'll do that in this movie because the the name of the of the predator race just so we're clear in advance is Yapja. I'm unsure if that'll come up because outside of like the comic books and stuff, we don't really explore predator culture outside of like just this hunting aspect. A lot of the so, movies have very minimal scenes where we get to interact with the predator on their on own. On an term. interpersonal level yeah. or like an interspecies level outside of the fact that they're here to kill. Do you um, think this movie will go the other way with that where we get like a good amount of time with both? I'd really like to see it. I'm wondering if that doesn't break some of the brand where it's like the mysterious hyper advanced creatures that we now have to kill you know it's like the the stormtrooper thing where it's like if you put a face on the thing is it that scary anymore that's a good point i think that they won't do it but i could totally see it happening where they try to give a lot more time to the predators and, and their culture and you know informing audiences more about it and trying to draw them into it a little bit more the comics and the extended universe for this focuses a lot on that i think it's really cool i i really wish they would do something with it but i feel like this falls into one of those things where like it's a cult classic because people like the pow pow shoot the man as opposed to like any deep dive into the lore I, I do feel like the majority of people watch The Predator and they're like, oh yeah, like with the Arnold Schwarzenegger and covers himself in mud and kills the thing. And nobody's ever thinking like, what are they culturally uh, relatable to? Because that might be what this is, where they have like some honorable Comanche. So what if, what if this is some commentary on like how their way of life, even though they're more advanced, is very likened to the Comanche lifestyle? Like that'd be cool. Yeah, I, I could see that. I do think that a lot of the Predator's design is sort of based on more primitive cultures and that's sort of the allure of him is, is this cool mashup between like primitive aesthetics and sci-fi aesthetics like all in one and that's interesting and cool uh, and it would be nice to sort of it feels like almost all of the movies have explored the like cool sci-fi aspect of being a predator but very few of the movies have explored the more maybe the first movie explores the more primitive aspect of it where it's like like an actual hunt and you're in the forest you're in the weeds you don't have like uh, a whole lot of support or even I think towards the end of the movie, Arnold doesn't even use a gun. He like sets up like like spike traps. In the later films, it is like almost all of the fights are like, I've got a gun. Pow, 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 pow. Oh, I'm we're in a city where there's like cops everywhere and stuff. It feels a lot more sci-fi. It feels a lot more modern and it doesn't feel as movies have progressively gotten more sci-fi and not 
more primitive sort of exploring that aspect of the character. I think it's really cool that this movie's trying to do that is get back to that, like the design of the character. So because I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that was somebody's complaint where they're like, why didn't they just bring in the bigger guns? Why didn't they just like drop the, the, the special forces on, on the city to help Arnold kill the thing when that's, completely stripped away it's like i don't know it's, re it's really hard to visualize like what the response would be and i think that at the very least that's going to be a cool part of the movie where it's like hey they they don't even have the option they just have to stab the guy it's basically just maybe they have a bow and arrow maybe they have like a pointy stick but that's about as far as the technology at the time is going to allow for they, um, they might not be as woefully under equipped uh, as i'm making them out to be they, i feel like i'd be really disappointed if they're like and we're set in the past historically and they have to use different tactics and it's like nah they just have to uh, like use different guns like I, I think that's a little disappointing for me the guns are shittier now <laughs> yeah yeah that that's about all it is it's like we still have to shoot it now instead of you know having a belt fed machine gun i need to bring four different flintlock pistols i basically don't want to see a gun in this movie you know honestly i haven't really thought about that as a question to ask on the podcast uh, this is one of the movies where i think having guns in it just makes it worse other than maybe the one aspect of it where it's like sort of exploring predators using guns and how appropriate that is or how inappropriate that is. Right. Because um, I think that's a, that's a cool talking point to be like, like you mentioned, are they going to tone it back? for the caliber of, of warrior they're fighting. Like that's an interesting thing on the on the honor of hunting. But yeah, I don't I don't want to see the prey in prey using guns. It almost completely defeats the purpose of going backwards in time. We have talked once before on this podcast about the virtue of a franchise having a prequel instead of a sequel. Specifically on the merits of going backwards in time chronologically for the next movie in a in a series of films. Does this movie's existence and your general excitement about it change any of the opinions that you've had in the past on prequels and their virtues as a continuation of a franchise? I don't know if I've always hated prequels or like always been predisposed to them. I, I can't think back to a lot of prequels in general. They're more rare. They honestly, Hollywood seems to feel the same way about it, where it's like, we just don't want to do prequels for some reason. I mean, I, I know you've mentioned that there's like interesting ways to talk about whatever came before the movie you just watched. Like, I am excited to see this kind of thing, this specific setting and everything we've said about it. I guess I have to see how they do it. Like we just said, if this, uh, if this just turns turns into, yeah, but it's ye oldie times and all the same things happen, it's going to be disappointing and the lack of effort there is going to be like uh, one of those self-fulfilling prophecies where they're like, yeah, we're just, we're not going to put a lot of effort into this prequel and wouldn't you know it, it was bad. That is actually, that's probably one of the most horrifying things that could possibly happen to this prequel. Because this movie is starring, the leading role is a female character, she is a person of color, you know, a lot of these things are things that studios and Hollywood sort of shy away from. It's very possible, and this has happened uh, with a, a movie I know that you specifically really love, Treasure Planet, where the studio meddling causes the movie to fail. The, the studio not giving enough money or time or energy towards the film has caused it to fail, and then they use that as a reason to say, like, oh, well, I guess this is just so bad, we shouldn't bother with it ever again. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but it's something that's happened with quote-unquote black movies qu quite a bit. Like, until Spike Lee started producing big budget bangers it was basically like ah, 
it's a black movie. It's not going to make us a lot of money. So we're going to put basically no money into it. And when it bombs, then that'll give us an excuse to put even less money into the next one. It sucks because, you know, like Spike Lee or even um, Black Panther movie that proved that if, if you give it the same budget as any other blockbuster hit, you, you can do amazing things with it. Yeah, I'm, ju I'm just worried that with how many things this has, I wouldn't say going against it, but in the Hollywood sense going against it, where it's the person of color, female lead, and it's a prequel. I just feel like there's so much here where if they don't if they don't nail it, this is going to be one of those times. Where it's just further justification for people to be shitty about those things, like why would we go backwards in time instead of going forwards? Or yeah. why would we have a female lead movie? Why would we have... Um... Yeah, and for this movie to just be the, the example for all of those reasons, I'm hoping that's not the case. And that's such a shitty thing to put on any movie, right? Like, you have to be the representative for all these different causes just because you know, because you tried. Yeah, because you, you wanted to tell a story and you said, you know, we could have a female lead. It seems pretty good. There's no reason not to. The, the Comanche tribe was pretty specific about this. Women women were hunters. You know, it makes sense. Or whatever, you know, justification they had during the writing process to choose to have a female lead. It, it shouldn't be that complicated. It, it should just be, you should just be able to say, yeah, we wanted to have a female lead because, you know, we had an actress that we thought would be good for this. And so we wrote a good script for it, just like they do for all kinds of movies, time ad memoriam to have like a male lead. We've talked previously about like when it matters to, to switch a character around, like to have Commissioner Gordon be black or to have the lead character be a, be a woman. Do you think that that will come up in this movie? Like, do you think that this main character as part of her character needs to be a woman or do you think that this was just we could put one in there oh man i i've been struggling a lot with this topic lately because i feel like i'm i'm learning new things and i'm trying to incorporate new ideologies all the time basically you know the best representation it, it would seem is representation where you know the whatever group or you know person or, or what have you you're trying to represent for women minorities uh, different sexualities all these different groups you, you want them to feel like they're just a regular person. The representation shouldn't be, well, they had to be gay in this movie because so on and so forth. Right, um, because gays are different in this way that would have made the movie different. I totally get that. Like it can't. It shouldn't be like, well, he. if, if we're going to have an action film, it has to be a big muscly dude because it's an action film film it should just be it's an action film and the main dude is a really hyper super skinny flamboyantly gay man and he can still be an action hero why wouldn't he be able to do that being flamboyantly gay and being skinny doesn't inhibit you from defending your people from a predator attack i mean that that's fair but at the same time we've had the conversation about how bruce wayne has to be a white man well so he doesn't he doesn't have to be a white man. In Matt Reeves's Batman, because they were so desperately trying to talk about white privilege in that movie, he only works in that movie as a white man. I think Batman or Bruce Wayne or, or Batman both could absolutely be a black man, but in a movie where you're trying to talk about like the pitfalls of being a detective and having a shitload of white privilege weighing you down from like knowing certain like blue collar or street level sort of tidbits, that is a requirement. The, the character, like if you're if you're talking about those things and like Batman, you have white privilege and he's clearly a black guy. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I know what you're getting at, but like that, that's the, the point I'm making about this movie. Do you think that it'll have a similar thing where the things that it's trying to talk about require that this be a female lead? I do not think this movie will do that, but 
I do think that that is a possibility. If you're trying to say that the movie will come up with a reason for like, or will have like things that it's trying to talk about that specifically are enhanced. I'm, I'm trying to come up with like a reason for it. And I, I don't know much about Comanche culture. You, you said that the women were hunters. So I do uh, not know. That was just, that was a, uh, that was me speaking speculatively. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if there may be a situation where in this particular subsection of the tribe, maybe all the men have been hunted out and then the predators are just like, well, we don't we don't hunt the women because they're the lesser folk. And then a woman absolutely rocks their shit. That could be interesting. Earlier cultures did have uh, matriarchal societies where the women were in charge and they did all of the typically like male sort of roles, quote unquote. This could be one of those types of societies that does that or one of those cultures that does that it could also be like like justifications for reasons why a character has to be female in a in, in a movie like this there could be a whole lot of them i i agree with you i'm struggling to come up with any that i could reliably predict other than like the matriarchal society where like the women were expected to go out and do the hunting and the men were expected to stay at home for whatever reason i'm not sure if the movie's any worse one way or another like if she's if this is a female lead just because they decided to have one in a doesn't affect the story at all or if this is some message that required a female lead i think both make suitable movies for some reason in my mind i'm imagining that they wanted to just sort of be progressive and so they were like let's get this let's cash in on those progressive points now and have a female lead in this movie and not have because like avp the, the the main character in that one is a female lead as well there's not really a reason for her to be a female lead in that movie it could have been a dude and it really wouldn't have changed much Right. Yeah, I, I think that they at the end when the when the dudes uh, when the aliens when the predators drawing with alien blood on her forehead, I think they were trying to allude to that Michiko comic book character, but I, I just don't think they did a very good job of it. And yeah, I don't I don't know if it mattered that they did that or had a female lead or not. Even even Predator Two kind of has a moment like that where it seems like the predators are like cool with him sticking around and joining the predators and whatnot. But he just doesn't. At no point do they, like, tell him to go away. Like, the movie ends with him on their ship. They never tell him, like, leave, go away, we don't want you around. So he just leaves of his own volition. And I could imagine, like, the Predators, like, flying off and being like, Hey, where did Danny Glover go? That guy was cool. He killed our buddy. Like, he's a badass. <laughs> oh, that's really deep. Yeah, I don't know, man. I gave him I gave him this kick-ass flintlock pistol. I thought he'd want to stick around after that. But he, he just fucking dipped. <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a dick move, Danny Glover. <laughs> Do you realize how interesting this fraternity that we've pledged you into is? Whatever, man. Get out of here. What a, what a, what a dick. What a dick. <laughs> you know how long it took me to get that flintlock pistol? I'll never, I'll never see one again. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, do you have any other predictions that you feel that you you need to make before you know we hop into this? Uh, do you think that they'll uh, you think they'll say the word prey, the name of the movie? You think they'll say it in the movie? They have to say it. As a matter of fact, I think that we're going to have an opening scene where the female character is talking about prey that they hunt. I'm thinking they will not. I think this movie will be very dialogue light because the people making these movies are like, well. You know, they're, they're Comanche people, so they're going to be speaking a language that most people do not speak anymore. So, you know, we don't want to have too much of that because people don't like subtitles. So we'll just keep it really light. I think it's going to be dialogue light. And because of that, they won't say the word prey. I, uh, I think that we're going to have a situation where, like, even though they're the Comanche people, I think they're going to be speaking English or at least have an inner monologue that speaks English. God, how fucking offensive would that be? I, I disagree. I think that they know enough to say, no, we, if, if they're Comanche people, 
people. We have to have them speaking in whatever dialect or whatever uh, language that the Comanche spoke in. That we're just gonna have to do subtitles, but we'll just keep it really light so that it doesn't frustrate the like American typical audience member. Yeah, that, that's about all I got. I, I think I've mentioned a couple of things that I'd like to see, but do not expect to see. It's put this movie at a disadvantage for me because there's so much that I want to see and I don't think they're gonna do it. I have really high hopes. I know that there's a lot of potential for the movie to stumble, but I think that only makes it juicier for me. I'm like, the stakes are high, but a good director, and it's it's for the for the record, the director of this movie is is no slouch. He did Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I liked better than Cloverfield. I like it better than any of the Cloverfield movies, actually. So he he did a really good job with that movie. I know he's done other stuff too, but that's the that's the one that I remember being like really big, and that's the one that they're marketing with this movie. When you look up the posters for Prey, it'll say the director of Ten Cloverfield Lane. That's the director, so I'm I'm very hopeful. I think that I think we got something good coming up, and we will be back after the movie. We are back from watching Prey. I know that I have a couple of things to say, and I'm sure that Moonshine Jug Man has a handful of thoughts. Where, where would you like to start today, Moonshine Jugman? All of the predictions that we had were almost answered in order throughout the movie. So, like, like we started with, uh, you know, this is going to be minimalist speaking. And whatever speaking there is going to be, it's going to be in the native tongue with some subtitles. And that wasn't the case at all. Nope, they spoke wholesale English. Except Um, for the Frenchies. The the Frenchies spoke French, and the Comanches spoke spoke English. So, okay, that was the thing. So the movie opens up on a black screen with Comanche dialogue, and then immediately after that, English dialogue. And I imagine it's like a one-for-one kind of thing. The Comanche said exactly what the English said. Sort of their way of saying, hey, these characters are going to be speaking Comanche, but we're going to put it in English because we know that's our big demographic. That's how I, I, I took actually that. I thought that was going to be the end of it until like the older brother started doing his story and it was like full on in English. They did have words in there. It, it felt like they wanted to be true to as many tribal things as they could while still pitching to their demographic. Because even at the end of the movie, they were like, "Hey, this film is for the Comanche Nation." One of the things about this movie that I really, really did love is that, and this might just be for me, I was constantly thinking. I need to Google that about the Comanche people and see if that's like accurate or see if this was a thing for them or what's going on there. Throughout the film, I found myself constantly wanting to look up Comanche people things. So at first I thought um, when they opened up with like the quick line and then the English, what I assume was the translation of that line, when they got into like, I, I assume that they did enough research that the dress, like the garb of those people was displayed correctly. And some of the words they used, I thought that those were just, like, it, it did a good enough job where I assume they had done their research on that stuff because uh, it felt authentic. Unfortunately, that's the thing with movies is we're always trying to get people to feel like we're being authentic, aren't we? The director is a skilled director. This is a very, I would I would venture to say that this movie is very intelligibly made. I'm willing to venture the guess that they probably did do their research. But in general, I don't like to uh, go off of those assumptions where it's like, this feels about right because that's how you get shit like you can get hit in the back of the head with a baseball bat and not get a concussion. No, that's fair. I guess there is something worth looking up for that. It it would be nice to know how much of this was as accurate as possible. Did you feel that way, though? Like, where you were watching it and thinking to yourself, like, is this really how it is? Sure. I don't think I thought that specifically, but I did get vibes that 
were at least reinforced by other things that I've seen. I was about to bring up the little prayer that she did for the for the buffalo. It, there was a word in there that I'd heard somewhere else, and it was the only word I picked out of the whole little prayer she did. But that that made it feel more realistic to me, just because it was reinforced by something else I've heard. It would be worth going back and and seeing how much of that is real. Like I don't know what the point of the little uh, sprig of whatever that she put on the buffalo. I'm sure that means more than could ever have been conveyed without like subtext there. For me, again, you know, this feels like a lot of the parts in the movie were sort of inviting us to wonder, why would you put that little leaf on the buffalo? Or what does this prayer mean? Or what do these certain words mean? Because they would sort of pepper in Comanche words and not really give like an explicit explanation of what they meant. Because sometimes they would do that, where like her mom like gives her something to drink and then says something in Comanche and then immediately after says, drink this. And in your mind, you're meant to sort of connect those two things. Whatever she just said in Comanche probably just means drink this. Right. It, I, I also found myself wondering about, because the, the whole beginning of this thing was her wanting to go on this, like, hunt journey. And the yeah. older brother describes it as, like, you want to hunt something that's hunting you. I think that's probably the closest that I got to what you're saying. As far as, like, that's something I'd want to look up if that was actual Comanche, like, ritual for them. It's like, you need to go hunt something that could actively fuck can kill you. Well, so there are rites of passage and death rituals. So I've done some research on death rituals and death rituals oftentimes sort of double as a rite of passage a lot of the time. I felt like this was going to be one of those things where that practice was sort of supposed to be both a death ritual and a rite of passage because the mom sort of talks about it and she's like, the point of that ritual is to survive. And that's interesting to me because most most of my research indicates that the point isn't necessarily to survive these things. It is to like have sort of a glorious moment, you know, in your life. Survival is the preferred way of going about it, but sometimes people do die and that is still worth being respectful about and like, hey, they went and did the big rite of passage and you know, they died during, but that's like, that's good and that's okay. Right. They, 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 were, they were honorable or brave enough to go face that death or whatever it is that you were supposed to get out of them doing it. Yeah, especially these ones that re- revolve around like dangerous situations. They're sort of treated both as a rite of passage and as a death ritual because of the high probability of death. I know a lot of like islander in an island community would uh, do paddle out ceremonies where they sort of take the body or the, the ashes or the remains out into the water, put the put the remains into the water and have everybody sort of encircling it and sort of talking about the uh, deceased person. And they also do that. That one doubles both as a rite of passage and as a death ritual, um, not because it's dangerous, but just because uh, sometimes it's good to have like a ceremony to let someone know that they've come into adulthood. And that's sort of the rite of passage of it is get out into the water, have everyone there, like speaking of you and what have you. And sometimes, I mean, that, that makes a good a good point. I know we've talked about it uh, before about like uh, what one one milestone in life is the understanding that like death is a final thing. That that makes sense as a rite of passage as well for like to have to go out there and be like, hey, this is the ritual we do when we're never gonna fucking see this person again. Sometimes the way it would work is your father or a close loved one in your family would die, and you would go out and you would sort of speak and perform the paddle out ceremony and that would be your rite of passage into adulthood and their passage from life into death yeah this this ritual that the Comanche people uh, have in this film seems to not be practiced for the aspect of it that is the person doing this could die it seems like the 
at least the characters in the movie, are like, no, the only way to fulfill this ritual is to not die. You can't die. That doesn't fulfill the ritual. You have to you have to survive it, which is interesting to me. Another aspect of this movie that I kept like thinking as I was watching it is how much, especially in the earlier parts of the movie, how much it makes you feel like you're kind of part of tracking. Like tracking was like sort of a thing that the characters kind of do a lot. The movie wouldn't hold your hand, really. It would show you like a different angle than maybe the character is getting, but it would basically just show you what they're looking at. And it wouldn't like zoom in on the thing you're supposed to be seeing or anything like that. It would kind of just put it in front of you and you were supposed to like figure out what it is the character's looking at. Basically. Yeah, I, I did like that. Like in the beginning when she's tracking that deer, instead of having some big grandiose scene where she's like touching it and going, ah, yes, deer. I mean, the, the very next scene, we see the deer, so we know what it was that she was tracking. But yeah, I, I like that they put that in front of you, especially because later on in the movie, we're looking at tracks that are foreign to this person who's supposed to be like great at the tracking art. And so to see that and be like, yeah, I could see how the, the guy in the back could think think it was a bear and then for her to reason out it's like no that's huge that's that's the biggest fucking bear that's ever lived there was there was one scene that stood out as being particularly well done for the tracking bit when she sees the the snakes that had been skinned on the ground and it kind of just looks like this weird like little tube there and so it would be pretty easy i mean for me i looked at it and i was like that's a weird looking thing and then, you know, she kind of gets closer to it. And I'm like, oh, no, this is like an actual she's tracking right now. She's like investigating and learning new things. And I should try to do the same thing instead of sort of just brushing this off as like, oh, it's a weird looking thing. And I mean, I saw that and and knew it was a snake. And, and the, the scene before that where he he did something to the snake that was about to bite him. What what threw me off is when, when the guy's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And even he sees the snake that's been skinned. I imagine that when your people is so closely tied to the land, a skinned snake is is not something you just find. Like, nothing does that. So why why was she the only one that saw that and was like, oh, that's fucking weird. Something's going on here. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, no, the bears meticulously skin rattlesnakes all the time. That gets us into sort of one of the more interesting bits of the film, the boys club. We talked about whether or not there would be like feminism stuff in this or if that would be talked about at all. I think it does like a really good job of sort of subtly hinting at like real world misogyny type things. There's like like her her brother who is like generally pretty supportive but at the same time like trying to be realistic with her which is how like most family members are like they can be shitty to you and be trying to like help you to get to a good place in your life they just don't understand how they're hurting you basically um because they're they're ignorant to your situation they think that it should work the way that their limited worldview indicates it should work and that's an unfortunate thing it is coming from a place of love on their behalf and i do think her brother loved her and wanted good things for her and consistently whenever there was a situation where like she was given an opportunity to do what she wanted he consistently tried to make room for that or to give her opportunities to do the things she wanted to do but the other guys from the tribe consistently did the opposite where they were sort of always putting her down and trying to stop her from doing what she wanted to do and like expressing her own autonomy right they, they had that line which i was not really happy with where it's like why is she coming we're, we're not gonna have time to cook ha 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 because she's a woman i thought that was kind of ham-fisted I appreciated more that scene where she's sitting in the hut with her mother. I assume it was her mother. And in a more loving way is also incredibly misogynistic about it, where she's like, but you're so good at all these other things like medicine and cooking. And why, why not do those things? Because you're so good at them. And it felt like it felt like a more realistic thing where the, the parent is like, 
trying to be supportive and comforting, but also like, hey, you're a girl, stop doing man things. So I feel the opposite way about this. I think that the cooking line is actually, it's towing the line very well. It's definitely getting closer to ham fisting than it is being subtle. But the line that I felt was completely unsubtle and was very, it was even even more ham fisted than the, we don't, we're not going to have time to cook, was the line in that same exact scene you're describing where the mom is, again, I, I agree with that. The, the mom is almost the perfect example of trying to be supportive and do what's best for a person, but not realizing that you're like constricting them from living the life that they want to live. And when she asks her like, but why though, why do you want to hunt anyway? She gives her an opportunity to explain herself and she gives like the worst possible answer. And she's just like, right. cause everyone thinks I can't. No, that's true. That That is more ham-fisted in, in its own way. I, I think that while some people will latch onto that line and be like, oh, she's so inspiring girl boss, hashtag fucking get it for me. That's just a little bit too... Too stupid. on the woke nose. Yeah, too stupid for me. I think it would be much more reasonable for her to just say, it's what I love doing. I love being a hunter. I like it. I, I feel good when I'm doing it. At least for me, and I think a lot of other people who are passionate about something that other people have told them, it's not going to work out. Just do the other thing that's much more practical. That That is what... That's the response. When people ask you, well, why don't you just do the practical thing? The answer is, I love the other thing. I love the thing I'm... That's, that's not as practical. That's not as appropriate or whatever. That definitely would have felt a lot better. She She's towing the line of being like petulant at that point where it's like, oh, if you just tell me not to do something, I'm going to do it harder as opposed to your example, which is you should just love doing it for the sake of it. A, a big rule when you're writing a movie is kind of not to just have the character sort of stare at the camera and say, but that makes me mad or that makes me, <laughs> that makes me happy. Let me make myself happy. I feel like there has to be some room for somebody to to express to somebody else this is my passion maybe they didn't want to do it because of that maybe they didn't want to do it because it's like now it sounds like we're making our main character out to be like she just loves killing she just loves killing those wild animals it's her favorite thing i don't think that's like an unreasonable thing in native american 1700s having a passion for going out and hunting and doing this practical necessary job that has to get done i think is a very admirable thing at the time right Even or maybe maybe because it like would have also downplayed the rest of the because we don't see too much of the re we, we see her in another scene collecting uh i think they were called breadfruit or something like that i don't I don't think that's exactly what it was they were harvesting, but it's like, hey, your dad gave you that hatchet specifically for gathering and not for hunting. I, I don't think they wanted to downplay the necessary role of gatherers in that society as, like, lesser contributors either. I do still not really love the, I, like, anthropologically we can say that it wasn't always in every given society. Women do the medicine and the cloth work and they do the gathering and the men go out and they hunt and they're the warriors. Anthropologically, we know that's not always been the case. So it's weird that this movie sort of had a good opportunity to show us a different kind of society that we know now with like advanced understanding of historical cultures, we could have shown something like that. But instead, it kind of just again shows us, well, the women are going out gathering fruits and berries and whatnot, and they come home and they do the medicine and they do the sex and they do the, the tailoring and whatnot. And the men go out and they kill animals and come home with pelts and whatnot and keep everybody safe. You know, because because again, they're, they're they're trying to market to a certain people, you know, people who want to have that, you know, follow the recipe and make the movie type, the people who enjoy those types of movies where it's like, no, 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 I need to know the good person and I need to know who's being the rebel and not just in movies, but still societally as a whole, we still have a lot of misogyny. You're absolutely right. It is a lot of trying to cow down to what a typical audience member would expect. But I think that one thing that we're not paying respect to here that we should probably note, and we've noted in previous episodes, is that a lot of this probably 
probably has to do with that whole like, oh, I would just lose my immersion and not be able to respect the rest of the film if I was watching it. And the women are equally warriors and hunters to the men and everything. And it's a different type of like society or culture than what I think is the correct way to do it. Um, right. Or what I understand they would have been doing back then. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just know that that's something that like Hollywood types are afraid of is hearing somebody say, it just broke my immersion. So the movie's basically garbage. For and sure. I think I definitely think there's a there's a piece of that in how this was storyboarded. I, I definitely think that like the story they were trying to tell, like like my prediction there at the beginning, or I don't even think I, I verbally predicted it, but we had to talk about whether or not the character had to be a woman for the role and the story they were telling. And I think for the story they were telling, like this this would have been a different story if it was uh like the young boy that wanted to go out and be a hunter as opposed to how they presented it here. Yeah, they they did a good job of like rationalizing why the female has to be the main character for this story and it has to be in a hunter-gatherer dichotomy where the men don't think that you know she can be a good hunter because she's a woman basically and they never outright say it's because you're a woman but it's very clear based on the culture and everything that that's kind of what they're getting at now that i'm kind of thinking about it that scene where i talked about how the brother would create room for her to have her own autonomy and do the things she wanted to do in the scene where she shows up and the guy's like well we're not going to have any time to cook the brother says that they should let her stick around because she's a good tracker which is sort of like saying she's a good hunter you need to be a good tracker to be a good hunter um, but also the medicine thing but also she can do medicine yeah i think that there is an interesting you know we talked about how the predator is like one part primitive <laughs> character and one part sci-fi character futuristic sci-fi character you know the movies in general are sort of like one part action movie and one part horror movie and it's interesting that her character is like one part feminine and one part masculine and that sort of like plays throughout like that's dichotomy of femininity and masculinity like the number one thing she's able to use to like help her defeat the predator her like secret weapon is like a medicinal herb that she would have learned only because she's a woman and was taught medicine things yeah her understanding of that which is which is nice because i think that's i i don't know how commonplace it is in, in uh people's understanding of feminism but like my vague understanding as a very non-female man is, is that there's room in feminism for the people who do want to do uh, stereotypically female things. It's it's more about the choice than the idea that's like, no, 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 they, they gotta, all the women have to do man things now, because that's that sort of goes against feminism in its own sense. So for her to be able to assert herself not only as the hunter that she wants to be, but also the fact that she is skilled in this medicinal practice, that's kind of cool for her character. Embracing diversity is such a, it's like a difficult thing because a lot of people misappropriate the idea of diversity uh, into something like, oh, well, if we're going to be diverse, that means that the women have to do the men things and the men have to do the women things or so on. And it's like, no, like you can have, you can be like someone who supports the idea of equality and still be like a man who's really macho or a woman who's very feminine. That's not what like the idea of diversity or equality is about. Diversity strength comes from these situations where somebody who has experience outside of the thing that they're trying to do or they want to be, they bring that diverse uh, understanding of other uh, experiences that they've had into this and that informs the way that they do it and they can sort of innovate and try new things 
and create a whole new way of looking at, you know, how do I hunt this giant kill monster? And we got to see the like hyper-masculine way of doing it. And her brother died during that. We got to see all the other men do like the hyper-masculine, like charge, go in and kill him and whatnot. They make fun of her for putting a leash on her weapon. That ended up being one of the key tools she had to use to like defeat the predator and, you know, using uh, her medicine to be able to like hunt better and all these, all these different things. Her axe is specifically a gathering tool and not a hunting tool speaking of that what did you think of the action scenes in the movie so there there was a level of it i expected i expected the predator to be like outclassing everybody involved i liked the action scenes at, at least later on in the movie where people had a fighting chance like when her brother rides up on the horse or you know when when she's tied up and and uh people are actually getting shots in like that felt good because i i know i went into this expecting this to be like a one-sided fucking blood fest almost all the way through and it did feel like there was well choreographed counterplay there i liked it i i really had a lot of fun with those fight scenes so i know that we made the prediction that there there would likely not be any sort of more primitive technology for the predator to be using and we were we were proven wrong they did have like kind of dinkier versions of the various weapons we've come to know and love of the predator even though they sort of played a similar role to the the weapons we knew and love they do seem like you know this is about 200 years worth of backtracking on how this right was, right or at least if not through advancement of technology i think you phrased it correctly where it's like this is uh the younger predator that has yet to prove himself so he hasn't earned the fucking plasma casters and shit like that like the completely annihilate people weapons his most high-tech weapon was the tracking bolts which like serve a similar purpose but i think feel better in the fact that they're metal projectiles and not plasma melta beams i know that he does have the like the gauntlet that sort of like that he does the little dial into it and then he puts it on the ground and it raises up these little discs that like shoot a laser or something like that that, that felt maybe a little bit more advanced than the the nail gun that he had basically sure um that that reminded me of the other like uh there was a scene in in alien versus predator where they were explaining like hey and if they were gonna lose they turned on their wrist nuke and just made sure that that shit didn't exist anymore and even then that felt a little underpowered comparatively to that scene because it's just like these discs that went out and you kind of see a couple explosions in the in the mist it wasn't really the full-on nuke it was more like hey i'm i'm blatantly outnumbered here i'm just gonna drop my little kill a bunch of dude weapon and uh get out of here yeah i did wonder like do they is this him using his like you know oh i've been captured i need to use an explosion to make sure nobody like gets a hold of me basically thing is he using that for like defensive purposes now and like you know not actually using it for like make sure you don't get captured purposes i don't i don't know i, I don't i'm not sure exactly it might have just been literally they don't they hadn't enacted that as a rule at that point you, this is just another weapon that you can use it's not meant to be like a fail safe of any kind i don't know if we follow the the trail that the movie leads us where it's like when they were fighting aliens in aztec times that's when they had the the nuke on the wrist if this is you know a prepubescent predator they're like, hey, we, we didn't even really give you anything wild. Like, if anybody came upon your your stash of weapons, like, it wasn't anything that was going to kill our species, so we're not going to give you the nuke button. That, I think that's what that was. But even the camouflage technology is enough to be like, oh, maybe you shouldn't let anyone get their hands on that. That's oh, sure. probably one of the, like, cooler things that they use. I guess it's not very useful against a predator who can see you without being invisible. Doesn't help you to fight a predator, exactly. Right, yeah, it's, it's pretty much 
a an equalizer that the guy that's invisible can also read your heat signatures. I did want to say on on the topic of their the the primitive nature of the weapons of this predator. I was really interested in the mask that this one used as a pair as opposed to like the masks from other iterations of this series. I meant to bring that up in the predictions. I was like, do you think there'll be anything interesting about the mask? Because it's almost like every Predator movie has like a new twist on the mask. The mask is kind of like one of the cool reveals of the movie is to see how they like do the mask a little bit differently in this one. I remember in Predators, the one where they get like transported to an alien planet and have to like survive on what is basically like a Predator like hunting ground. A game Um, reserve, yeah. In that one, the Predator had like a jaw underneath his face, basically, or underneath his mask, like a big old either alien jaw or maybe it was the Predator itself's jaw or something like that. I don't know. But it looked really cool. Might might have been like a big game creature's sort of jaw that it had just like wired onto the bottom of its Predator mask. So that was that was like really cool to me. And I'm pretty sure almost every Predator movie has something like that. This one did not disappoint. What a cool mask, man. That mask I know. For a while, up until he did the, uh, the tracking darts, I was like, oh, this is like, this is the lowest rung of Predator. They literally just give him a bone mask and they're like, go prove your self peasant and even then like i guess they they do have the tracking thing but it's the tracking thing for like these darts i like the whole setup there that this did feel like a less equipped predator which paid off for me because like i said if we just had fucking uh big daddy predator come down with his melt of people lasers fuck the movie be over in 30 minutes i didn't like the dart thing specifically i would have been cool if it was just like a regular old nail gun that just shot one dart at a time or whatever i think that's where it failed me on the hey we've got to have like brand recognition and what's one of the more recognizable things for the Predator is the three red dot thingies. You can see the three little red dots in the teaser poster thingy. So I, I knew it was possibly in the movie, but I thought maybe they're just doing that so that people will know like if you're not clear that this is a Predator movie, if you're paying attention to the promotional material, you can see that there's the three little red dots that are pretty indicative of the character. I was hoping it would basically be like pretty low technology stuff other than maybe the risk gauntlet explosion. I'm willing to allow for that because that's, you know, pretty typical stuff having what was effectively the plasma caster and having it have like a high technology aspect to it ruined it a little bit for me and i know that we asked if there would be like a dishonorable kill moment and for me that dishonorable kill moment was pretty much the first time he uses the dart gun caster because the guy's basically just standing there completely oblivious to what's going on in front of him he had shot like a possum and was holding up a possum he killed and then the three dots show up on his chest and he's just like what is this i don't understand and he's just confused i don't even know if he was holding a weapon or not but it seemed like the guy like wasn't presenting a threat to the predator in any way so he just decided to fucking fuck that guy's shit right up for next to no reason well that that's the thing is like i i wonder if that was also part of the because later on in the movie she mentioned something like um to the frenchman that she's cut the leg off of and she's like that's why i'm dangerous because you don't think i am and like her brother had said the same thing where he's like he thinks i'm the threat run and i don't know if it was just the predator being like only the males of a species are a threat like that was just uh, there, there was some weird shit going on there and I don't know if it was intentional or just me reading too much into them trying to be woke in the movie. It is hard to say because we don't have any other female characters to go based off of as far as like being in the fight scenes and him being, oh, I'm not going to hurt this woman because she's a woman. We don't really have anything to go off of on that. I don't think so in general. Was there any scene that just like blew your fucking mind that it ended up in the movie? 
Like you saw it and you were just like, what the actual fuck? How did that end up in the film? Nothing's jumping out at me right now. Which one are you referring to? So this is on the note of like, he doesn't attack things that don't seem like a threat. There's that scene where he like kills a coyote and the coyote's like chasing down a bunny rabbit. And just as it's like getting to like bite down on the bunny rabbit, the predator like kicks it or whatever. And then it sort of like squares up at on him. Like they're at a Hooters parking lot at midnight. The predator's like, I'm a predator. I will fucking fuck you up, little doggo. And the little doggo is like, well, I'll give it a go. And then they do like the classic samurai duel charge. Yeah, I did, you know what? I did I did notice that, how it's like they run past each other and the Cody's like, yeah, yeah, let's go again. And he's dead. That was weird. Like that, that was just really weird that they showed it the way that they did. There's like that, the title scene where it like shows the title of the film kind of just comes out of nowhere and I didn't love it. And then also the first scene where we see the Predator ship sort of like flying by and then dropping the Predator off, and then going invisible, and then the Predator goes invisible, and, like, that scene kind of comes out of nowhere and feels really unnecessary. Why did we need to see that at all? I don't get right, it. Right, because we'd already, we'd already seen the Predator ship earlier. Like, what was the Predator ship doing? Like, scouting the land for things to kill? And oh. then decided on what the drop point was going to be? Wait, when you mentioned the, the title scene, too, I thought it was kind of... Because I forget the scene exactly, but I think, like, somebody was looking up, and, like, as this the camera pans up, it hands into the title it felt strange like i couldn't tell what it was about it that felt strange but something was off to me about that yeah i agree it was it was really fucking weird uh there were a couple of lines that were like awkwardly funny i need to get me a horse so we were talking about callbacks to the rest of the series i don't know if it's from one of the other movies but that line that her brother says where it's um if it bleeds we can kill it is that from another predator movie i think that's from the first predator movie that felt like a callback and i was like i don't know if they're calling they must be calling back another predator movie but i, don't, I haven't seen it that just felt like an iconic line i do believe it is a line in the first movie where they kind of realize oh fuck this thing isn't unkillable it if it bleeds, we can kill it. I did like that like hesitation in her where she's like, I'm not sure this thing can even be killed. Up, to, up till then, she was equating it to folk stories that she's heard of. Like when she first sees the ship, she's like, I saw the lightning bird or telling the other guy. She's like, no, I saw the whatever it was she said. And they're like, from a, from a kid's story, you're scared of stories now. So I don't think at that point she thought it was anything less than a god. I don't mean to take this to like only women can do this or anything like that. But typically women are a little bit more in tune with the ethereal or the, uh, the esoteric things that are like difficult to wrap your head around. Women are typically a little bit more in touch with that than men. Men want, they want to be able to say, oh, that's just a kid story. It's not real. Whereas right, there is, are, there is only a rational explanation. Yeah. Women are typically more willing to say like, well, the kid story had to come from something. It, it's proven time and time again in the movie where he's like, oh, shoot that possum. Haha, ha, stupid possum. And then she's like, okay, but what made the possum come this way? Like she's able to think about this in a more elaborate way than they are. And it proves to be very helpful in her ability to be a good hunter. Unfortunately, I do not believe this is going to, they're going to continue with this and turn it into, and she was the girl who became a predator, effectively. Hunting people and whatever. I know, I think they, they wanted to tease about, like, a continuation of this story specifically with the after credits scene, where they've got the tribal-style paintings, like the cave paintings, and uh, they've got the shit, the three ships coming down afterwards. I think they were trying to tease, like, hey, maybe we'll do this again, and maybe there's something here to be done again, but unless it's that story, where it's like she proves herself and joins the predator hunting party, I'm not creative enough to know how they could just do this again. That is something I want to say about the movie. Like, if you want a Predator movie, like, if you just want to see the first Predator movie again, this movie basically does it. This movie is 
Predator again. It's not really reinventing the wheel. It's sort of just, it's a love letter to what's come before it and what was like really successful initially. It's not innovating a whole lot. And that's- yeah, no, I, I agree with that. If you were to just proceed with this, it's basically at this point, if you just keep doing it, eventually it's got to jump the shark and then you've got ridiculous, like, oh, it's Predators in a fucking carnival or something like that. Yeah, I, I do think the, the Predators movies for the most part have done a pretty good job of keeping it pretty realistic and pretty uh, low to the ground and everything. And, and this movie certainly does that and continues that trend. At, at the very least, from what I can tell in our conversations, there is a desire here for people to you know get to see these more fantastical stories where a human being is such a fucking vicious badass that they're able to live amongst predators and fully integrate into their culture basically that's because there's something there like at least at least in the comics like the interesting parts for me were seeing the caste system of the predators and and seeing how their society works and how a human can come to like learn to be a part of that even something here where up until he's fighting people it's basically like i either fight the predator and it fights me head on and i kick its ass or i fight the thing and it runs away and i chase it down that there's got to be something there for i tried to fight this race of people and they consistently outthink me i don't know i I think that there's a chance for like a jump the shark kind of situation where you know we try something fantastical and it becomes silly i think that we've been so low to the ground with the predator franchise up till this point that it is worth trying something that has worked in like a comic book or something like that and i think that your example of the the woman who becomes part of the the yaucha culture pretty like seamlessly i think that's interesting enough to follow in not only a singular film but maybe even in like a full-on multi-film sort of franchise thing definitely you know seeing what she did to deserve their respect and then also seeing how she like lends her own experiences to like teaching this like say maybe they go out and they hunt something she's never seen and they're like oh we're gonna hunt it this way and she brings her own experiences to it there's definitely fucking trilogy in the making here that they just don't want to touch because it's like no no no, it's it's the predator but we're just gonna do the predator again if we keep doing that it's just something people are gonna lose interest in eventually like there's a lot of good faith for predator and i think that's cool and all i just i don't want to watch if they came out with another predator movie you know two or three years from now and they're like okay it's another predator movie because we kind of have to keep making these to hold on to the rights to them the Um, new movie it's freddy versus jason versus predator like all right guys You can just hold on to it. I don't care to watch this stuff. It's it's sort of like where Hellraiser is as a franchise right now. They try to like get back to their roots of being like a sort of body horror horror film, and they just don't understand that the original Hellraiser franchise sort of like escalated with each film and got to a place of kind of ridiculousness, but kind of not ridiculousness, and then went well into like absurdity, and then it tried to go back down into like, hey, we're getting back to our roots, and then continue to do like hey, we're just getting back to our roots over and over and over again, and it got boring and stale, and I'm worried that Predator will do the same thing. Right, like, I think they've dialed in what the formula is, because that's, I, I know that's been a complaint for us in the past, where they, like, they, they gotta make, I think it's Aliens, was our complaint about this, where it's like, they didn't know what it was that made Aliens so good, so it's like, well, we're just gonna do it again, and then they failed at it, because they didn't know what the secret ingredient was. I feel like there's something similar going on here, where they, the people making Predator understand what the formula is, but not so much so that they're willing to experiment with everything that's not the secret ingredient. They're like, no, we're just we know what the full recipe is and we're going to make that same cake as many times as people will pay for it. The jump from Alien to Aliens is very radical. It's, it's almost like they're the opposite of each other. 
which I think is a really cool way of going about it in terms of like, how do we further this franchise? How do we make a sequel to this? You know, oh, we'll just go the opposite way with it. And I felt like that was kind of going to be what Prey was going to do. But it feels like Prey is basically just Predator, the, the first Predator film. And they're not doing anything radically different from that altogether. Even the way that she defeats the Predator in the end is effectively what Arnold Schwarzenegger does at the end of the first Predator movie. You know, he makes himself effectively invisible to the to the Predator and then sort of sets a trap and then springs the trap on him and is able to defeat him. Um, I will say one of the aspects of this movie that frustrated me the fighting did feel a little too slick for me. There were a couple of like parts of the fighting that were just like the predator like blocks an axe, knocks it out of the guy's hand, catches it midair, and then stabs it into his face all in one like a little too slick of a motion. It um, was uh, it was the flip that threw me off, where where he like catches the axe and then has to do a little uh, a little flare before he kills the guy. That was the part where it's like, all right, this would be cool if this was the Arnold Schwarzenegger character doing it and showing off how awesome the human race is or whatever, like just trying to be cool macho man. But it's like, we've already established that the predator is a killing machine. He doesn't need to. And like, Hey, I can juggle these axes and kill people. I also didn't like that. The predator had a shield, even if he yeah. uses it as a weapon, sometimes just the idea of predator ultra hunter killing machine, having something that he needs to hide behind. I don't love that. Yeah. When you phrase it that way, I do see what you're saying. Cause yeah, he does use it as a weapon. But at one point, it's just straight up like, hey, I'm going to block all the bullets. I did think it was... I did. I think it was kind of shitty that the the one Frenchman that had him dead to rights like shoots him in the helmet and it ricochets back and kills him like that. That kind of felt like they didn't need to do that. I I did like that because it does seem like that is a continuous complaint you hear from people like specifically people who are like it broke my immersion. Why weren't they just shooting at his head? That scene specifically answers that question. I'm generally in support of that scene just to stop people from saying stupid shit like that and. For the record, people who do say that in any other film, it is generally accepted uh, standard of practice not to aim at somebody's head, but rather at their central body mass, because there's tons of vital organs in there, and it's easier to hit the torso right. than it is any other part of the body. Yeah. When you're out to kill somebody, the rounds you're using are not like, beep, and fucking, they, they just make a little pencil-sized hole, and it's like, well, I missed all of their organs. Nah, if you're trying to kill somebody and trying to shoot for, like, central body mass... Your rounds are making cavities. You got you hit them in the shoulder. You're hitting their heart. Yeah, there's there's a lot of high impact rounds and all that fancy stuff. That I mean, I don't imagine the French people had that, but it was still probably best practice even back then. Hey, shoot for the biggest, the most motionless part of the right. Body. Just hit them. Like, like, if we were dealing with their straight-up, like, ball muskets, I think it was more realistic that, like, none of them landed on the Predator at all, because that's where that phrase, hitting the broad side of the barn, that, that's where that comes from, because when you're shooting with fucking ball muskets at 100 yards, if you can hit a barn, you're a sniper, buddy. Yeah, those, those yeah, older cool. guns sucked for aiming, and that's why, you know, you, you had, like, 15 people line up and all fire at the same time to try to hit something hopefully were there any uh, uh scenes in the movie that like stood out to you as being like really cool and you didn't expect it to be that fucking cool her fight scene uh when she's going back to like rescue her dog that was my favorite fight scene but just because i think we mentioned in the bunraku episode you can't show somebody having the badass weapon and not have a payoff for it and i thought that scene was more of a payoff than the the end where she's fighting the predator the fight scene for me that stood out the best was probably the one where uh 
the Predator initially assaults the Native American people, the Comanche people. It's just like the boys club that he's fighting, basically. Really cool and realistic to me the way that like one guy sort of distracts him and tries to like challenge him really quick. And then another guy sort of circled around and attacked him from the back. I really like that. And that fight felt as like choreographed and as clumsy as I want a fight in this type of movie to feel. It needs to be like the perfect combination of, well, there was some thought put into this, but not like so much thought that it's like she snuck into a French encampment and like systematically killed everybody, not one by one, but sometimes two or three at a time. Like, come on. I don't know how I felt about the whole, the, the fight as a whole, but where the, where the brother's attacking the predator, that span right there where he would shoot the arrow and then retrieve the arrow and shoot it again. He did that like three or four times. That felt really finessed. The best like 1v1 fight in the movie definitely goes to the brother. Like that, that felt really good. It felt like as I'm watching it, yeah, this is a guy who like could go toe to toe with a predator. In the second 1v1 fight, with a predator that we get when uh, Naru is fighting the predator. In my mind, as I'm watching this, I'm like, her strategy really should be just don't get touched by this thing at all. Because as soon as it touches you, it, it pretty much kills you, it seems like. And that would be my headspace if I were her. Like if I had to put something on, like what is my strategy here? It would be just don't get touched by him, stay as far away as I can. And if I have to get close, I'm relying entirely on speed here. But there were plenty of times where she would go out of her way to get really close to this guy. It didn't seem like she had a good strategy for like what to do other than I'm going to get close and try to wear him down with a couple of stabs and other things. Previously in the movie, when the Predator pulls out his like uh, his magic bolt pistol, it's in response to being assaulted with ranged weapons. So I thought that was going to be her final thing, where she was going to like square up with her arrow or something like that, or or maybe hit him with her little ranged axe rope setup, and then he'd be like, oh, now I have to get her from afar. But really, it was just her being like, okay, please, you've used all your weapons once, and according to the movie, that means you, you only have one more weapon to use. You can't use them twice. That's the rule. That is sort of one of those unspoken rules of any of these big fight scenes where the character has like a big stupid fuck off weapon. He can only use a given weapon one or two times before he's got to basically discard it. Right, because it feels like, I, I don't, I guess the shield was attached to the, no, the shield wasn't even attached to the arm that she cut off. So it's like, you could have just run up on her with that. That ending fight scene didn't do it for me, but the fight scene with the brother was like, that was way better in my mind. And I hate to say that because it feels like, you know, they gave the better fight scene to the dude, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's something here. Like, he was the proclaimed war chief before this happened. Like, he killed the lion, he brought it back, and so he was supposed to be the war chief. He was supposed to be the head warrior of... I don't know how the Comanche people worked, if it was just the best warrior got to be the war chief, or if he had to be the son of the chief to do it, or... But it did seem like he was supposed to be the most level-headed and well-trained of the boys' club. Did, I, did you get Rufio vibes from that one, the, like, shittiest of the boys' club, the one that, like, got into a knockout fight with the girl? Rufio vibes? Yeah. You know, Rufio from Hook. The I one. mean, I know what you're talking about. I just don't know in what way you mean. Oh, just like his hairstyle. Like, Google Rufio. Honestly, when you said Rufio, I thought about the polyglot character with the Frenchman, where he's like, I speak lots of languages. He screamed more Rufio than that guy did. You know what? Maybe we're just... We're just constantly devolving back to Rufio. Like, we're just, that's the natural progression of, like, film, is just always working towards Rufio. Goddamn, we need to do an episode on Hook. But you gotta find somebody who hasn't seen it, because that's a that's a favorite of mine. Another thing to uh, note here, I know I asked you what was a standout really cool scene for you. For me, the, like, most standout really cool scene uh, was during the, the fight with the bear. 
I was hating that fight. Like the whole thing, I was like, God, I hate these stupid CGI invisible guy fighting a CGI bear. But then there's like the shot where he's like holding the bear above himself and like pouring the blood onto like his face and whatnot. That just looked so fucking cool. I was willing to immediately forgive the shitty CGI on CGI fight. No, that's fair. I was watching that whole fight. Like that whole scene where she's like, I'm going to run away into the abandoned beaver dam and I'm just going to sit here and wait for the bear to like pummel through the rotten wood. Would. Oh, the predator is going to save me. Like, the, the whole scene was kind of weird. There was still something satisfying about the bear dying to a fucking haymaker. <laughs> It did seem a little bit like the, the bear had won there for a minute, and there was a moment where I was like, no fucking way, right? <laughs> right. Is it, I was like, is this the turning point in the story where she uses her medicine to befriend the alien? Oh, no, no, no. He, he just needed a break. Yeah, he just he, he had to take a little nappy nap and wake up and, wait a second, I know boxing. I'll just box the bear. Oh, God, that's the thing, because we, we had just seen the coyote scene, so I was like, why when he's underneath the bear getting fucking mauled to death. Does he not just use his wolverine claws and just chink and, and the bear's dead? And he's like, no, 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 I did that. I used that weapon once this morning. I need to beat the <laughs> shit out of this bear with my hands. <laughs> the whole movie's just a and d campaign using the wrist blade thingy as like a 24-hour ability. He has to wait 24 hours before he can use it again. Right. <laughs> that's a, a once-a-day ability. I can only use that once a day. <laughs> I did like specifically that, you know, she goes out of her way to like, you know, try to explore and investigate what's going on and everything with all these weird like animal deaths and these weird tracks and all this other stuff. And then she discovers this field of like just completely skinned buffaloes. And I'm just looking at that and thinking like, damn, like it feels like this really isn't the predator's MO. Skin these animals alive and just leave them there. Uh, right. I, I saw the, the like I saw that it was skinned and I was like the extent with which those buffalo were skinned, like all the way up to the face and stuff like that that didn't feel normal so i was like oh something something wild's going on there's got to be another alien on this but I, I knew it wasn't the predator because up till then he's like i need the whole spinal cord and the head and also like i feel like he's one for one on his trophies like he wasn't like all right i killed a coyote i need to go like stock up on coyotes so i don't know why he'd kill a whole field of buffalo even if he was gonna kill one at no point does it seem like i need to kill me 40 buffalo never in all of predator lore have we seen something like that maybe maybe in avp they do kill quite a few aliens but those are aliens that they manufacture in place there, not aliens that are like existing naturally in the wild here, right? Right. Yeah. They they didn't they don't go to eradicate a species because I'm sure there's some rationale there where it's like, hey, I've killed the biggest baddest thing on this planet, and someone else is like, oh, that sounds wicked. I'm gonna go do that. It's yeah. like, sorry, buddy, I I eradicated the entire species. I've got enough heads for everybody. I'm the last one that will ever kill a coyote. That does not seem like their thing. So. It was really cool. I think that's probably one of the best handling of that trope of the colonists are bad and they're ruining the environment. It didn't feel like they were shoving it down our throats. It felt kind of just like this is a detail in the movie that you can kind of overlook pretty easily. But if you think about it, kind of what they're trying to get across is that like colonizers are bad and this is what they did to a entire field of buffaloes. And it's supposed to be a scene that you kind of look at and go, oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's horrifying. And and they have like, it's not as if we couldn't have guessed that it would be colonizers, right? Like that, that is the rational next step. Like we, we are, as we're watching the movie, sitting in this universe where like anything could happen. 
have landed here and decided to skin buffalo. But the rational excuse is colonizers, and so I'm glad that, like, we ended up having them as a bad guy. Like, an actual bad guy. Even throughout the movie, like, they, I think they start to have some sort of respect for the Predator and be like, oh no, he doesn't he doesn't want to trap and kill things. He wants a fight. <laughs> Maybe it's not the fact that they're colonizers. It's the fact that they're French. Good Lord, do we hate the French. It is every American's duty to stick it to a Frenchman at least once in their life. <laughs> it's, your, it's your duty. You have to. I mean, yeah, I, it's, I, it's I, in the Constitution. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, a film buff, so I have a lot of respect for the French inherently. And I still know that as an American, it's my duty. I have to. More, more than serving in the military, more than uh, eating apple pie after playing baseball, more, more than any of that stuff. I, I gotta fucking kick a Frenchman in the nuts before yeah, I yeah. die, or did I even live? I gotta have, I gotta put one up on Frenchmen, and, you know, it was nice to see fr Frenchmen getting screwed over in this film, you know, as an American, it warms <laughs> a special part in my heart. Which Nobody which in France listens to this, right? <laughs> it's a terrible thing, it's a terrible thing to say, because I think that historically the French have been pretty good to America, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, they actually, uh, they have helped in several wars. And, like, the one thing that America has a claim to fame worldwide is our, like, movie industry, and movies, like, come from France. <laughs> so for us to be like, ooh, you, you stinky frogs, I don't know, I don't know where that's based. I don't know what the French did years ago. They fucking, they took uh, George Washington's lunch money, and we never forgave those sons of bitches. Yeah, it's, it's one of those shitty rhetorics of, like, American culture that has just been so pervasive for so long. And I don't know if that played a role in this film at all i don't know maybe like if you look up okay well who was the th who were the people that were most like against the kumanchi people like who who were they going up against well that's the thing i i know the french came down and like eradicated beavers but i think it was the american government that decided to go and wholesale slaughter buffalo so i i don't know how much of that is there yeah I, i'm not sure maybe during their research they were like yeah it was a bunch of french people and that's what we'll have to put in the movie. Or maybe they were like, well, it was like French and European and American government. And they were like, ah, fuck the French. <laughs> you said French, right? You had me at French. <laughs> Dan Trachtenberg, the director of this film, is an American filmmaker. So <clears throat> so th this is his one. He he fulfilled his goals. He stuck it to the French. And, and when they're like, hey, would you like to make a prey too? He's like, no, nah, I already got my digs in. Yeah, I got, a, I got what I need out of this gig. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. But there's a non-zero percent chance that Dan Trachtenberg was just like, well, uh, I mean, I don't get a whole lot of movies. His last, you know, major motion picture was uh, like six years ago. So he's like, well, this could be, you know, one of my last big ones. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the branch. <laughs> Gotta get it in while I still can. Maybe there was something there where they're like, uh, you know, because because we're pitching it to an American audience, we can't be like, and also the sub-themes of this is that the American government brutalized the native people. It's like, no, 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 no. Make make it French. And uh, yeah, yeah, people eat that shit. I, I'm sure that there is somebody who like sees this and is like, finally, it's not the Americans screwing over the <laughs> Americans. It's not the Europeans doing it. It's those fucking dirty French people. Yes, yes. That's too good for too long. <laughs> You've been a little too safe, France. <laughs> oh man, there's there's some there's some like right leaning motherfucker who's like finally the French are getting it stuck to them. I can I can take a break. You know I've been they've been too mean to me this year. Yeah, every, they're like oh, everybody's shitting on Columbus and he was the best American of them all. Like no, now it's time for some non-American to get shit on because Columbus yeah. was American. That's a fact. Well, uh, you know, to, there's a right leaning person that thinks he was the first I, American. Oh, I'm willing to bet. <laughs> 
first of all, Columbus Smith. He was the first president, and it's like, all right, buddy, like, I get it. You know, Columbus was his last name. His first name, America. <laughs> I've I've covered just about everything I had for the film. Was there anything else that you were like, you know, oh, we got to talk about this. We got it. We can't we can't miss this. You know. No, I definitely I definitely want to talk to talk to the uh, the feminist nature of the movie, and like I really appreciated the primitive predator. You know, for anything I naysayed about the movie, it wasn't a bad movie. Like I had fun with it, and even the parts that I didn't like were not so ham fisted that I think people are going to be like, wait a minute, she's just doing the Elsa from Frozen thing, but in the 1700s. Like, I think I think they did a, as good a job as could be done here. Surprisingly really well-handled film, despite, like, our feelings of this is probably not going to be handled all that well, right? Yeah, like, like I said, I went into this expecting, like, a straight dumpster fire, and I think it, it did a good job. E- even when I had mentioned, like, I hope they don't even fucking have guns in the whole movie. And even when they did, it wasn't the magic kill button that, like, typically guns are. I wasn't in love with the, I'm just gonna shoot him in the back of the head thing. Didn't love that. I did think there was a badass, like, the, the immediately before that, the badass scene where he's like, oh, and now, you know, you, I'm gonna kill you and, and you're not gonna know it, and, and the same thing for him. Whatever the fuck that speech was was kinda nice. And then for her to, like, just sidestep the Predator as he approaches the guy, like, I just imagine that from that guy's perspective, that's one of the most horrifying things. He's like, I brutalized the natives and now they're using their magic native powers to summon ghost killers. I imagine if there were any like French survivors, they would just go home and be like, oh, uh, yeah, don't go over there. They have demons, literal demons. <laughs> they use the magic demon move and uh, we're, we're done there. Yeah, we don't yeah. know about that anymore. I did think that it's weird that they paid off the like the flintlock pistol that she delivers to the, the chief at the end of the movie. That's the, that's the same flintlock pistol as in Predator 2. Yeah, when they had the name on the side of the pistol, I was like, does this mean something? Because I couldn't read it and I don't know who the fuck that is says exactly the same thing as the Predator 2 pistol does. Gotcha. So, like, it's the same pistol. It's not in the hands of a Predator. It's in the hands of these Native American people. There's a very serious chance that they are going to do a Prey 2 where the Predators have to go back and sort of scrub everything so that humans don't have a dead Predator. That's what it was. It wasn't Columbus and the smallpox blankets. It was just aliens. It was the Predators that came and did all that bad stuff. I would totally see that movie. I would go and see the Predators come back and, like, we have to recover all of the Predators. We have to eradicate the the proof that we failed at some point. Yeah, we can't have that, and we're just gonna go back and, like, you know, fuck shit up or whatever. Equally, it could equally be as likely that this is, that's literally just a callback, that they're like, oh, that's the Flintlock, and, and then the end credit scenes where the aliens come back, it's like, oh, the aliens, they just keep coming back. Forever and ever, they just keep coming back, trying to kill people, and finding new ways to kill people. I'm not sure, but that was, that was a weird thing to me to like still have that in the movie and then not pay it off properly I guess and I guess maybe it's their way of saying hey it's now open to a sequel if people like it enough and it's been getting really good reviews lately we are watching this on the day after it was released and I'm sure somebody's gonna shit on this frankly since we're so we're so early to the game I might be interested to see what other people say to shit on it and if it's anything close to like our detractions for it I think most of the good the good press is coming from like it's a competently made movie it was like fun to watch it and everything and it has generally good representation throughout so the those are all like enough of like a plus for people to just go ahead and slap that like, hey, it's a it's a four out of five or it's an eight out of ten. And that seems to be the general vibe is that it's 
right around like a, a B or a B plus. And right. uh, I don't agree with giving a movie a rating. I think that all movies are worth watching. Go and fucking watch them. They're, it's a joy to that, that movies exist at all. So we should just love that as a thing that is out there for us to enjoy. Um, I, I mean, if anything, uh, I, I do enjoy movies that I can do nothing but shit talk with. Like, uh, there's an enjoyment in everything. You, you sent me that John Waters quote about... Uh, appreciating things that are that are bad and uh i i subscribe to that even with all all that being said i think in general movies absolutely worth your time it's just a good predator movie it's a solid predator film if you like the predator formula it's it does that and it does it well it definitely i mean i think uh if you're watching Predator to have, like, the male fantasy jerk-off session, maybe this isn't it, but I think this follows the whole formula for Predator uh, pretty spot-on and does it well. And, like it does, like you said, it doesn't break the mold here, but it does enough cool new things to, to give you a little bit of a wow factor every now and then. On the note of, like, male fantasy jerk-off session, I do think this movie actually kind of does scratch that itch. And it's interesting to me, like, you know, a lot of, I think people would argue that because it's a female-led movie and they talk about, like, feminism-type things throughout the film, that it kind of can't do that. But I disagree. I think that, you know, we can have a male power fantasy and still have the main character be a woman. Fair. For me, at least, it it is, like, if you go back and watch Predator 1, you know, I'm sure we'll have to do that since you haven't seen it. It kind of does almost the exact same stuff as Predator 1. The only difference is, and I think this is a, a benefit to the movie, in Predator 1, all the guys, like I said, in the first, like, 15, 20 minutes are all, you know, slapping hands and high-fiving and just telling each other, oh, you're such a badass, bro. And that creates good camaraderie between the dudes for them to die later and that kind of blows. And this movie, the main character is sort of an outcast instead. And they, and she sort of gets shit on throughout the film. And I think that that's actually better because it starts our character off in a low point in predator one. Nobody's starting off in a low point. It's almost a high point throughout the entire film until the predator shows up. Whereas in this one, she's at a low point and she goes on this exciting and sort of nerve wracking journey. Definitely. It's not like a happy, good time journey, but that's what, you know, everybody needs to grow is, is to go on a difficult journey and sort of learn things about themselves and express their autonomy. That is sort of the male power fantasy is to go on one of those kick-ass like journeys and, and learn all this stuff and go through a hardship but come out victorious ultimately and to you know do some kick-ass like axe throwing and spear stabbing and arrow shooting along the way. That's the male power fantasy and she does that. But uh, if that's if that's all that we have, then uh, I am willing to cut it here and call it a day. That's that's good for me. Fair enough.